Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews. Well, I'm so glad you are all here today. This is the very first message out of Hebrews. We're starting a brand new study this morning on Hebrews. Jesus is greater. Bless you. Have you ever said to someone, or has someone ever said to you, "Pay attention"? Have you ever said that, or somebody said that to you? Pay attention. Well. Usually that happens because they're either about to say something important or because you look like you're not paying attention, right? It's one or the other. Well, one or both of those could be true today, so pay attention. We know at least one, well, hopefully at least one of those is true. Hopefully we have something important to say from God's Word because it's what He said. And so we're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 1 through verse 14. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he had he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels. And he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today have I begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But the son, but of the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning that laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They and they all will become old like a garment and like a mantle you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and I ask that you'll speak to us this morning. Father, I pray as we travel through... Hebrews, I ask you to speak to our heart, ask you to help us to understand what you said and what you meant when you said it, and Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do his his work in us and apply that to our lives as we journey through this time together. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you, Father, that you love us so much, you wanted to be with us, that you sent your only Son. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Well, this morning as we discuss paying attention, we we will see that God is speaking. We will see that the fathers will see the fathers' testimony about Jesus, and we'll also see the purpose and work of angels. We'll begin with the idea that God is speaking. The writer of Hebrews begins by comparing how God has spoken to man. Now, the writer of Hebrews, I have heard many arguments and I've read many different things about who wrote Hebrews. Uh, A lot of people will argue that this is Paul. Um, I would make an argument this is not Paul. The answer is we don't really know. Um, who, but we, there's evidences in here that make me believe it's probably Barnabas. That Barnabas is the author here. It's missing, it's missing some Pauline inscriptions that we have in other books that we know are ascribed to Paul. That uh, in every one of Paul's books, I'll give you just a couple things to think about. In every one of Paul's books, he defends his apostleship. Every one of them. Here that doesn't exist. But we see some Pauline phraseology. So it's somebody who spent time with Paul. This is an encouragement. There's a lot of encouragement that goes through as you walk through Hebrews. It's a look back into the Old Testament as, as we see Jesus as the fulfillment of that. And so um, there's a lot of evidence here to me to believe in the time of the writing. Leads me to believe that this is probably Barnabas, but I cannot be definitive on that. Because it doesn't say, I, Barnabas, write these things. And so that's where I lean. And there's some good arguments about a couple other people. But I think that it, I, there's some things that give me pause with those. And so I don't have any pause over um, Barnabas. So that's my, that is my opinion on what I think, from what I see, the evidence I have. That seems to be my leading candidate. But what he does here is he talks about, uh, by, he compares... How God had spoken then and how he's speaking now. He says long ago that God spoke to the fathers and the prophets in different mounts in different ways. There were some prophets that a very specific audience. God gave them a word for that audience. They delivered it and that was it. There were others that had were given prophecy for the whole nation and for the nations that were opposing Israel. And we see that uh, we see that in Ezekiel, we see it in Jeremiah, and then we see specifically the smaller ones like Amos. Amos had prophecy directly to the king, and uh, that's really it's really an interesting uh, book. If you, how many of you have ever studied Amos? It's not really a, a yeah, it's not really a. We don't run to Amos, do we? But Amos is really an interesting. Amos, uh, the king, was actually a uh, farmer. He was a fig farmer, if you will. And the, the punchline to the whole book is how do you, how do you uh, ripen figs as you pinch them to ripen them? And basically he goes to him, and that's his frame of reference. He said, God's about to ripen you. He's going to put some heat on you. He's going to put some pressure. He's going to pinch you and ripen you up. It's really an interesting, it's an interesting book. And uh, as you study the things around it. So that's... That's your little side trail for today. It was short. But, um, it, so he's talking long ago how God spoke to the prophet. And part of what he's doing here is he's laying a foundation of things that they would say, we know this is God who spoke. We know it was God. We don't, there's not any question that 
the prophecies in the, in the Old Testament books that they had at that time were from God. So he said, this is how God spoke then. Then he brings it to today. He said, you guys are not making the leap. You're not making the jump. He said, now he's speaking to us in his son. So, with the same credibility, because he's doing parallel thought here, the same credibility that you hold for these prophets and the things that they have to say, you need to hold Jesus Christ and what he says with the same credibility because they were struggling with that. And so he begins to lay down and says, God is speaking. The author links the speaking of God that nobody questions to the speaking of God Jesus Christ. Don't miss the fact that Jesus is now speaking through his son. And so we learn some facts about Jesus Christ in here. He gives us the case for Christ, if you will. This is not the book. This is the case that uh, the author of Hebrews lays out. He tells them that he is an heir of all things. In other words, everything in the world belongs to him. Through whom the world was made. He gives him creation. He has a, uh, ascribes creation to him. We know that as we go back uh, and we look at, at creation, that it says, they said, let, it says, let us make man in our image. And that's what God said about man when he made man. He said, not in my image, but in our image. And so there's a plurality. There's more than just one there. And so Jesus was there as part of creation. He says that he is the radiance of his glory. So he is the Shekinah. He is, um, there's no separation between that. Even though Jesus emptied himself and he clothed himself in humanity, he was not any less God when he was here. He says that he is the exact representation of his nature. In other words, he's not putting on a show. He is what he is and he said what he said and there is no deviation. He didn't, he didn't try to fake us out. He didn't try to show us one thing and then there's no sleight of hand in him. He's the exact representation of his nature and he upholds all things by the word of his power. In other words, this thing is held together because he chooses to let it stay held together. One day, he's not. He's going to let this thing fall apart. We've already ruined some of it when we sinned in the garden. He holds all things together. So in other words, he has the power to do that. He made purification of sins. In other words, he went to the cross and he made a way to purify sins. Until then, sin was only covered. All the stuff that happened, all the sacrifice and all the things in the Old Testament was a covering for sin. It did not remove the sin. It did not separate the people from their sin. It covered them. It was a sacrificial system to cover their sin, to lay the groundwork for the shedding of blood as a requirement to deal with sin. Then Jesus came and he was a, it says that he was a more perfect sacrifice. Because he did, the reason he was more perfect is he didn't just cover our sins, he removed them and purified us in the process. And so we see that uh, he made purification of sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, which is the Father. And we're told that that's who Jesus was, that that's where he sat. Right, the right hand is known as the place of power. 
the place of confidence. And so Jesus sits down in this place having confidence in what he had done on the cross for you and for me uh, as payment for our sins. And so only he could do that. He is much better than the angels because he has inherited a more excellent name. Now, there is a the key word in there. We all want to talk about the name of Christ. I want to, I want to tell you, I don't think that's the key word. I think the key word is inherited. You get inheritance from who? Your family, right? It shows a familial relationship between the father and the son. And the reason he has a more excellent name is because he comes from that family. Isn't that where we get our name? And so he inherited this. And so he's laying this case. Why is he talking about Christ like this? Why is he laying all this stuff down about Jesus Christ? Because he's trying to help them understand that this is who God is speaking through. And he has the, he has the same authority as what you guys have put in your hope in. And these writings from the prophets that also came from God. So what God is saying to us is to realize who Jesus is and what he has done because he loves us. See, he is God who's redeemed us. And he's speaking today. He's speaking today. I'll tell you this. How many of you would love it if he would just give you something very clear and direct today? You don't have to raise your hand. Right? We want to hear the voice of God speak to us. Insert your name here. I love you. I've done these things for you. I know you're struggling and I've seen every bit of it and I care about you. Here's what I would like you to do. Cast that upon me because I care for you or whatever's going on in your life, right? I'm going to give you two things that will open up that conversation. One, go to him in prayer because you love him. Not because you need something from him. Because the truth is, we don't need anything from him. He's given, has in the Bible, doesn't the Bible say he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness? So we don't need anything from him. But the willingness to obey is what opens up the dialogue with the Lord. See, if you go to him and say, you know what, I love you. I'm so grateful. Thank you for all you've done. If there's anything that, any direction you have for me, if you tell me, I'll do it. I don't care what it is. Be careful. <laughs> I don't care what it is. If you say that and mean it, he's going to begin to speak to you. And if you follow up and actually obey him, your life, I'm telling you, your life's going to change and the, and the conversation is going to become more and more rich. But God is speaking today, just as he did long ago. He speaks to us and he's speaking in his son here. Well, next we see the father's testimony about Jesus. We kind of saw a little bit of that just now, right? But the Father Himself testifies. 
He lays out his testimony about Jesus Christ. At first, I thought it was a comparison between Jesus and the angels. When you read it, but when I find, I went, I started as I studied through. There's only one comment made about angels, and what I realized was is that was not what the Father was doing. He's testifying about his son. He listen to these things that he says about his son. You are my son. Today have I begotten you. We're told that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. We see the family relationship there. Let all the angels of God worship him. You remember what happened? Well, this is Christmas time. This is perfect timing. You don't ever see a Christmas message out of Hebrews usually. It says, let all the angels worship him. Do you remember what happened with the shepherds in the field? The angels appeared to him and they sang Hosanna on the highest. And then there were multitudes of angels in the, in the, in the sky praising him. Worship. Your throne, O God, is forever and righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. We're told that Jesus will sit on the throne of David forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Comes that to us out of Mary's Magnificent in Luke. You're, you loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. And we know that righteousness is who he is. God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And that's an interesting study. The oil of gladness. Y'all know when Jesus was anointed? Y'all remember? When she came and broke the oil upon him and wiped his feet. They were chewing her out. Isn't that great when you're doing what God wants you to do and people chew you out? There's evidence. Doing the will of God, ain't nobody going to get it. They're going to chew you out sometimes. Ridiculous. Just make sure you're not chewing somebody out. Because <laughs> it don't seem like God's will to you. What a waste. We could have sold that and fed the poor. Really. My question to them is how come they didn't do that already? That's my little rabbit trail today. Because they didn't care about the poor. They were just harassing the girl. He was anointed with oil of gladness above your companions. You laid the foundations of the earth and created the heavens. You know what's really cool? We've got a whole science dedicated to star research. Anybody like to look at the stars and stuff? We have any... Any clear night, on any given night through the summer, you can see four to five planets from my my place. It's really kind of cool. We were looking at Neptune the other night. It was so big and blue and bright. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. They actually, Pluto's been in the sky too. Now, those of you who don't consider Pluto a planet, I'll pray for you. Um, but it was in the night sky. <laughs> I'm in trouble. My science teacher looked at me. I don't have a chair to slink down in. <laughs> um, I grew up with Pluto as a planet. 
Wasn't he a Disney dog also, Pluto? Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you, my brother. Yep. And so, and you know how the verse, I know I'm completely off the rails. You know, there's a verse in Genesis that talks about the stars being created. And we have, we have all these sciences and we, we look at guys like Stephen Hawking and we go, oh, he's just so smart. God in one verse says, and he made the stars. I just picture God going, like that in heaven. Like it and it even took that much. And we herald people. And God takes the foolish things to confound the wise. And we'll have all this stuff on dark matter and all this stuff, but faith in Jesus Christ seems to be elusive today. We need to get our priorities right. And so he created the earth and the heavens. I've got news for you, ladies and gentlemen. You did not crawl out of a suit. God created you. Amen. You know, I love this search for another earth and how now they're even saying they found planets that have the same ingredients. But yet there ain't no people there. I guess that soup ain't ripe enough yet. <laughs> Listen, God can place another earth in our same orbit and there won't be any people there unless he wills it to be so. I, one time when I was young in my faith, I asked a preacher, I said, uh, I said are, are there aliens? And he said, yes. And we are them. The Bible says we're aliens and strangers. In a foreign land. We don't belong here. We belong somewhere else. But we put roots down. Have you ever known anybody to go somewhere? Well, that's maybe an unfair question. But when you go on vacation, you don't act like that's your home. Even though a lot of times we wish it was. (laughs) We're visiting and we leave. We don't have a, a refrigerator delivered to our hotel room. We're there to enjoy the moment. And that's what we're here for. To enjoy the moment with the Lord. You laid the foundations of earth, created the heavens. The heaven and earth will come to an end, but you will not. Listen, this world is passing away. That's why your your cars need maintenance, your home needs maintenance. That's why if you don't keep the weeds out of your garden, that you're not going to have a garden at all. This place is passing away, but Jesus will never pass away. He talks about Christ. He says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And so he gives them a place of honor in their family. And so the Father's testimony about Jesus is that he is God, not an angel. You know, it's so funny because when you see angels appear... Men will fall down and worship, and it happens a lot in the Bible, right? But the angels, when it's an angel, they say, no, 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 stop that. I'm a servant just like you. But when it's a, when it's a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, which is, if you want the theological term, it's called the Christophany. So it's when Christ appeared in the Old Testament. And we know there's times that that happened. We believe... At the burning bush. 
He says, take off your shoes for you're on holy ground. Angels don't say that. We're on holy ground when we're in the presence of God. The only reason we can stand on holy ground today is we're standing on the shoulders of Christ. And so he lays this argument out for his son. He gives testimony to who his son is. And you're like, why is all this important? Why are we going through all this? Why? Because Jesus is speaking here and they were missing it. And I wonder if sometimes we miss it because we don't really consider who's speaking. We go, oh yeah, it's just, you know, God speak to me. It, it's okay. I'm forgiven. I'm okay. And so the father's testimony is that he's God, not an angel. The only thing the father says about the angels is that he makes them winds in a flame of fire. Well, that's interesting. It's important that we understand who Jesus is. He makes this little side comment about him. But it's important that we understand who Jesus is. Because he gave it all for you. And if you were the only one, he would have still done it. That's how important you are. No greater love has one man for another than he who lays his life down for his brother. That's why we appreciate our military around here so much. You guys are on, you're the point of the spear. And we appreciate you guys going. We're free in this country today because you guys are willing to serve. So let there be no misunderstanding where we stand. We appreciate those who are willing to lay down their life for us. And many have. Including Jesus Christ. But then we see the purpose and work of angels. See, angels do have a purpose. They don't just float around and play harps and, and hang out on, on lounge couches on clouds in heaven. That's not what they do. Does anybody see anywhere in the Bible where angels play harps? Just wondering. It'd be interesting to find out how that got started. That'd be somebody's research. Somebody will find out. Where's, where's Tom and Debbie? <laughs> they have a purpose. And here we learn a couple things about them. He tells us in one verse, he says that they're all ministering spirits sent to render service. They do ministry at the direction of the Father to achieve his purposes. That's why when you see them encounter people, they're like, I'm a servant just like you. They do ministry. They're ministering spirits. Like we're ministering humans. They have a ministry just like we do. So what is their ministry? Good question. Their ministry is for the sake of God's children. They minister to us to help us align with God's plan for us. You are their target. They are different than Jesus. They are not God. They are angels. And they have a ministry. Just like we have a ministry. 
And so they're different than Jesus Christ. They're not the same. And so if we're going to pay attention, so why did he go through all of this? Why did he lay this out? Why did he come and, and walk them through? I think for a couple reasons. One, because he loved them. And he didn't want them to miss out on what God's doing now. And two, he had a plan for them. They were locked in to only part of what God has said. And I think that's a danger for us, too. We can get locked into the things of God that we're really comfortable with. And we'll explore the other things as we get time. We were talking in our prayer time about nervousness in taking a stand for Christ. Anybody ever have those moments where you know something's coming up and you get that nervousness inside? And you've hunted to try to get rid of that so that you wouldn't be nervous when that happened? I've got news for you. Then I'll never go away and it shouldn't. When you're dealing with the most important decisions and important things in life, there ought to be a level of intensity that we feel. Now, some of that could be us in a desire for acceptance that we have to deal with. We're more, more worried about people accepting us than honoring God who died for us. We have, that is an absolute problem we have today. Or being labeled a hater because we tell somebody that they need to be saved. Let me tell you, that's a lover, not a hater. <laughs> Isn't that what the enemy does? He says wrong is right and right is wrong. So that you won't share with anybody, he's going to say you're a hater when you're really trying to love them and rescue them from the pits of hell. That's how he works. And so, if we're going to pay attention to what's going on in this chapter, we, have, we learn that who Jesus is, is reflected in the story of his life. His life tells about how much God loves us and how far he'll go to reach us. If we were to read the story of your life, what would it say? This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Because I started asking myself these questions. And it's nice to have some check marks in there, right? We like the teacher check marks. Unless they're red. But we like the teacher check marks. But then there were some things that I had to look at. And I had to say, wait a minute. I don't want that as part of my story. That's hurtful, isn't it? Man, ain't nobody moving now. The, 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 <laughs> the stiller you sit, the longer I go. <laughs> but that's true. And it's true about me, too. And so I'm in there with you. We're going to work those things together, folks. We're going to be there for each other. We're going to pray for each other. We pursue the one who is perfect together. I have them, too. 
unfortunately. I wish that wasn't true. But it is. The good news is there's still time to rewrite the story. Until you're dead, your story can be rewritten. Let me tell you, let me tell you, show you how. This is kind of exciting, so get ready. But it's short, I promise. The guy is crucified next to Jesus. Remember the story about the three people being crucified? What were the two guys that were on the outsides of Jesus? They were thieves, right? But when we think of the one that expressed faith in him, we think about that moment. We don't ever think of him being a thief, do we? Really? We think about what he did. He rewrote the story with minutes to live. There is still time for you to rewrite the story. It's not over yet. That's the beauty. So if we're going to pay attention, we learn that our story, how we live, tells our story. If we're going to pay attention, we learn that if people can tell you, if people can tell when you're upset, even when you don't say anything, maybe we ought to address that. You ever had that situation where people could tell maybe you're upset or mad? And what you do is you just kind of, you know, some of us, that's kind of obvious with flamboyant people because they get really quiet. But we allow anger and frustration to control us a lot, don't we? This upset me or that upset me or that hurt me or you shouldn't have said that or... That wasn't right. Instead of asking ourselves why we were upset by that, or why we were hurt by that, or why we allowed that, why is that actually upsetting us? Is it because we feel like we have the right to be respected? Is it because maybe we were picked on as a kid? If you were picked on as a kid, I want to to welcome you to the club. Kids, if you get picked on, I'm sorry that happened, and I wish it didn't happen. But other people do the wrong things, and they're going to do the wrong things your whole life. And we have to be careful that the choices we make reflect Christ, reflect our real story, not our flesh. If we're going to pay attention, we learn that God is working to align us with his will for us in this world. We can go willingly or not. I would encourage you to join him. There's a book that was out several years back. That was was written by Henry Blackaby. Entitled Experiencing God. Anybody remember that book? Y'all, anybody here ever read that book? The bottom line of the book, and there's 
a lot of material before this, is find out where God is working and just join Him. But it requires seeking Him. (laughs) And it requires spiritual eyes. And it requires the desire to look. And it requires the idea that God could actually be working around you and even want to use you. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you say, God can't use me because I don't know very much? You ever said that to yourself? I've heard that a lot. Well, what if they ask me a Bible question and I don't know the answer? I'm going to give you the answer. This is the answer you give them when somebody asks you a Bible question that you don't know the answer. I'm going to give you so you never have that excuse again. The answer is, I don't know. But let's look at it together and research it together. Now you're into the Word together. You don't have to have it all together, folks, to be used by God. God has it all together. We just have to be available. We have to be available. How many of y'all like riddles? Y'all all got nervous at the same time. I've got a riddle for you. And if you think you know the answer, I want you to raise your hand, okay? You're driving a bus for Sunday school, and at your first stop, you pick up seven kids. At the next stop, you pick up four kids. And then the next stop, six kids. You drop them all off and go out for more. The next three stops, you get five kids each, and the last stop, two. And actually drop off three. How old is the driver? If you think you know the answer, raise your hand. How old is the driver? Has anybody figured it out? Okay, if you think you figured it out, raise your hand. I've got three people. Since Stephen was first? 38. That's right. What was your answer? No, no, what was your answer? 32. 32, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I'm calling him. (laughs) The riddle began, you're driving a bus for Sunday school. The age of the driver is your age. Ladies and gentlemen, we focus on the wrong things and wonder why we get off track. That's what was going on here in Hebrews. They were focusing on something that had happened long ago and not on Jesus Christ. When you focus on the wrong things, you're going to get the wrong answer. So, you need to pay attention so we don't miss anything that God has for us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.